side is quite a ramp up in our transactional business. We run about 60% of our book is fee-based. So 60-40 fee-based versus transactional. We had a flip in July. We saw about almost 60% transactional and then the uh, the balance was, was fee-based. Typically when you see in this industry a surge in fixed annuities, it's because of the drop in rate. People are looking for other alternatives. You're going to get more fixed annuity business. We outperformed last July. You think that one of the reasons, people had nowhere to go. No vacations being taken. Everybody was doing staycations. And I think a lot of folks that we spoke to took time to get their financial houses in order. My reps that are more deep with their clients, their relationships are deeper, they're involved in financial planning, typically involved in managed money, have done a lot better. August will be the best month in the history of the program. We found that our financial advisors were very dependent on the uh, branches, probably even more so than we had initially believed that they would be. We've actually seen our, our referrals increase four times over last year. I have seen more institutional money go into a fixed annuity three years than I ever have in my entire career. Hello, I'm Bob Mattel, a co-producer of the BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast series, and I would like to thank you for joining us today. Industry Trend Watch is a monthly series with industry leaders discussing trends in the financial institutions channel as monitored by the Stathis Partners monthly benchmarking study. The data on productivity trends can be accessed on the bankchannelresearch.com data portal. This month, we are joined by Wallace Harris Jr. of BMO Harris, Rich Cole of Investors Bank, and Bob Thompson of S&T Bank, a client institution of our sponsor, Ameriprise. In addition to the monthly trends, we will hear them discuss the surge in three-year fixed annuity sales due to the rate play, how the pandemic gave clients time to focus on getting their financial houses in order, and how remote work forced advisors to not be dependent on their branches for new business. But first, we'd like to allow Chris Melton from our sponsor, Ameriprise, to convey this brief message. And then we'll turn it over to Janet Capaletti, who will kick us off with a trending overview based on the July data collected from our channel. Chris? This is Chris Melton, National Director of the Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group. Ameriprise Financial Institution Group is a proud sponsor of the BISA Monthly Industry Trending Podcast Series. With more than 25 years of experience and knowledge in serving the investment program needs of local banks and credit unions, Ameriprise Financial Institution Group brings a depth of understanding as well as investment capabilities to help clients and members feel more confident, connected, and in control of their financial life. We look forward to learning more about your financial institution and sharing how a successful investment program can be a competitive advantage. Call us at 800-679-1237 or visit us at Ameriprise.com slash AFIG. Securities offered by Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Not federally insured, no financial institution guarantee, may lose value. Thank you. Hi, this is Janet Capaletti, the Managing Director of Research for Stathis Partners and creator of BankChannelResearch.com with the July 2020 Productivity Trends. The roller coaster ride that began in March was on an incline in June and July. The July apex was bolstered by quarterly fees. Total productivity and average FC revenue shot up by over a third from June to July. 
Fixed annuities were up again, almost twice the amount reported in April. When compared to June, annuities and mutual funds grew 10 and 15% respectively. On a year-to-year basis, total productivity fell 5%. And while most transactional product categories remained consistent with the previous year, mutual fund revenue sank 13%. And before I turn it over to our host, Scott Stathis, I'd like to thank LPL and Infinex for providing much of the important data used in our monthly analysis. You're up, Scott. Hello and welcome to the monthly BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast. I am Scott Stathis and I will be your host. This podcast is jointly produced by BISA and Stathis Mattel, and we want to thank Ameriprise Financial Institutions Group for their sponsorship and support. We are joined today by three program leaders, two of which are BISA board members, and I will let each of them introduce themselves now. And why don't we start with Wallace? How you doing, Scott? Thanks for having me. Wallace Harris from BMO Harris Financial Advisors. I am the president of our business. We are about an $80 million revenue business, run total assets under management and advisement of about $13.5 billion. And we've got uh, roughly 115 advisors when you include our uh, contact center advisors. So I'm happy to be here today. All right. Thanks, Wallace. And just a real quick question. So you say contact center. So those are your remote advisors, I assume, right? That is correct. So they ha- they've had a jump on all this COVID stuff because they've been remote anyway. So they're probably teaching the rest of the advisors how to do it. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> we like to think so. <laughs> how, how many of them do you have? We actually have uh, eight total advisors in our contact center. Four we consider senior and then four we consider more associate kind of development level. Yeah, it's good that you have that tier delivery. All right, let's go to uh, Rich Cole. Good morning, Scott. Thank you for uh, the the opportunity. So, um, yeah, Richard Cole. I am senior vice president in charge of wealth management and insurance at Investors Bank, headquartered in Short Hills, New Jersey. We're a twenty-seven billion dollar institution in terms of assets. We have about twenty billion dollars in terms of deposits. Our footprint is New York and New Jersey. So interesting, we were sort of the first wave of the pandemic that hit. So I think the comments later on and will, be, uh, will be interesting to hear. We have 157 branches or thereabouts across the New Jersey and New York footprint. We have 37 financial advisors that cover that footprint. We do, last year we did approximately $9 million in revenue. This year, we'll definitely break through $10 million in revenue, even with the pandemic and what we've seen in April. I'm looking forward to some of the upcoming questions on the go forward. So hopefully that gives you a good overview. In addition to those 37 advisors and growing, we have about 80 licensed bankers uh, as well. All right. Thank you, Rich. And Bob? I'm Bob Thompson. I'm the uh, producing manager with S&T Bank. We're headquartered out of Indiana, Pennsylvania. We predominantly do business across the state of Pennsylvania and then into Ohio as well. We're a smaller community bank. We've got about $7 billion in assets, $5 billion in deposits. And I actually uh, came on board about a year ago to, to uh, build up the program. We're currently at about $700 million in assets under management with uh, seven reps. All right. 
Thanks, Bob. And, and you said you're a producing manager, right? So it would be uh, very interest, interested in hearing your perspective on some of the trends that we're seeing as a, uh, as a producer as well. So let me throw out the first question. And Wallace, maybe you can lead us off with answering this question. So as we look at the monthly numbers and the trending, we're looking at July primarily, and we want to get your input on August as well. But you know, all the numbers are in for July, and, and it looks like we've made it through the toughest time of the pandemic with advisors working remotely and productivity taking um, somewhat of a hit, obviously. So the productivity trending in our channel is up. Clearly, July 2020 had the benefit of quarterly fee collection, but it was still a very solid month. So as we, as we look at trends in deposit revenue penetration, household revenue penetration, and advisor productivity, July was the second best month of the year in all those measures from an industry or channel perspective as we collect this data on a monthly basis. So what did July look like in your programs and how is August looking so far? Wallace, can you kick us off? Yeah, happy to. Thank you. So July was a was a nice bounce back month for us, as you've seen in the numbers for the industry numbers. We had a pretty meaningful shift in our sales. In fact, with all the work from home and the adjustments we've made to do remote care for our clients, given the pandemic, we saw a quick drop off in our sales numbers. And uh, we had to adjust because a lot of our advisors sit in branches. And I didn't mention that our advisors sit in our female Harris Bank branches, but they do. So we had to make quite a bit of modification. In July, we finally saw sales start to turn in a real meaningful way. In fact, we exceeded our own expectations, our, our normal plan for the year, not just our forecast. But we saw a real shift back to a real positive number from a sales perspective. Our net flows or our net new assets, though, actually, we're still a little bit challenged for overall, we saw a slight decline, but we did have a couple of advisors leave us over the past couple of months. And so they are actually pulling dollars from us. But when we adjust for that and we adjust for advisors that were here at the start of the pandemic versus where they were through the end of July, we actually saw an increase in net new assets. So it really says that our, our conversations started to make a real difference with our clients. Our outreach has really made a difference with our clients. Our productivity on a per advisor basis actually increased. It's a mix. So some of our top advisors have seen quite a bit of good asset inflows. Some of our um, younger, newer advisors are still adjusting to this, uh, this period. But overall, the business really saw a strong shift. The early indication in August is that that has continued. So I think the work that we do around financial planning, which is the basis of our business, it starts with the plan. The work that we do there really helps set the conversation and really the, I like to call the journey that we're gonna take with our clients. So our advisors have really migrated from the early part of this uh, adjustment, this, this pandemic from kind of these care calls, wellness checks, and really got back into good conversations with the clients around their portfolios and overall execution of their full financial plan. So we've seen really good progress in July. We're seeing that continue in August and we're excited about it. Yeah, it's, you know, from previous podcasts that we've done over the last three months or so, it seems that those advisors that are involved with financial planning are the ones that are most successfully making it through these difficult times because it's easier to talk to a client if you're working based on a plan and it's easier to keep the client from, you know, backing the client away from the cliff, so to speak, right? No, don't do that. Don't jump. We're good. 
So thank you, Wallace, for that. Rich and Bob, do you want to give us a, a feel? Maybe, maybe Rich, you can go next, a feel for how, uh, how July and August uh, are looking in your programs? Yeah, July was definitely a bounce back. You know, we, um, we allowed the advisors back into the branches physically on May 23rd. Our branches never closed. We wow. were open by appointment only and then drive-throughs. And then we let the advisors come back into their hub branches and then we're able to have appointments, but approved appointments where they can go to another branch. And I think what we saw is a lot more face-to-face, -face, a lot of people wanting to engage with the appropriate PPE in place. Branches were all protected with plexiglass and people wearing masks and the like. So there was a comfort level. And honestly, my, my own, we outperformed last July, which I thought was, was pretty good. Nice. I think that one of the reasons that too is people had nowhere to go. I mean, it was no vacations being taken, if you think about it. I mean, you know, everybody was doing staycations. And I think a lot of folks that we spoke to, I know, you know, took time to maybe sort of get their financial houses in order, um, depending on how they were impacted by the pandemic. So we saw a really good July, but also a lot of meaningful conversations. And August will be the best month in the history of the program. Wow. The program is only nine years old. I mean, so, you know, but it will be the best month in the history of the program. And very interesting. I mean, we did something, I know this isn't the question down the road, and I'll talk about what we did to drive that, but um, really interesting. And I think it's just a continuum of people being home, comfortable to a degree going out, but comfortable going out to safe havens, bank, right? Plexiglass, masks. Um, PPE, um, capacity planning. So only certain amount of people can come in the branches, scheduled appointments. So I think those that all benefited us. And plus, I think people realized and used this time to think about, to, to Wallace's point, you know, I got to think about my future. You know, I'm seeing my friends lose their jobs that were living paycheck to paycheck. You know, how do I need to save differently? How do I need to think differently? And how am I going to get there at, you know, 50 basis points now that I can get in the money market? So that, that has helped. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting perspective. And I would guess that the, that the advisors who understand uh, that type of mindset by a good percentage of the clients and worked with them uh, in that regard really, really did well. So thank you for that, Bob. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both Wallace and Rich. The, we had obviously a turn down when we, we had to leave the branches for about two and a half months. We got back into the branches and starting to meet with customers back in May, which increased the referrals, all aspects of that as we move forward. We're in a more rural areas of Pennsylvania, so we have not been hit as much by the COVID piece. So we haven't seen really a turn, a, a downturn in clients wanting to come in and meet with their advisors and go through it. I absolutely agree with Wallace on the financial planning side. My uh, reps, uh, including myself, that are more deep with their clients, their relationships are deeper, they're involved in financial planning, typically involved in managed money um, on a bigger basis as well, have done a lot better. The transactional side in the last three months really, really uh, took a hard, a hard hit, but the what we've seen in July has been a great month. We, we again, like Rich, 
we're adding people all the time. So our months are continuing to, to grow rapidly. Let me ask you, Bob, you bring up the transactional side. So I'm going to ask you uh, t two questions related to that, that are, that'll bundle into one essentially. But yeah, w what I uh, thought was interesting when looking at the monthly trends uh, throughout the summer is that from a channel standpoint, the transactional business actually did pretty well through the pandemic months, um, stayed pretty, pretty buoyant. Now, clearly the reoccurring revenue is what saved the day, but I, I did not see the transactional business dip as much as I, I thought we would. Now, that varies from program to program. So Bob, you, you, you implied that it did dip in your program, but I'd like to hear all your feedback on that. But Bob, let me, let me let you lead off this next question. So with that in mind, specifically, we've seen a surge in fixed annuities. So I'm wondering, especially as a producing manager, uh, if you've seen the same, uh, and, and if so, what do you attribute that to? And if not, why not in your program? But yeah, I think it answers both of the questions. The, you know, typically when you see in this industry a surge in fixed annuities, it's because of a drop in rates inside the branches. And so like most of the banks, I'm sure the gentleman on this call today would agree, our, our rates are, are really, really down. People are looking for other alternatives. You're gonna get more fixed annuity business during that time period. I think on the transactional side, it's a couple of things. There was that initial panic where people were were buying and selling and, and changing positions, as always happens when there's a big drop in the market, which I guess helped the transactional revenue to some standpoint. But I think the fixed annuity piece is probably the bigger part of that, where you've got where you've got a lot of referrals coming in from the branches. I, I always call them the rate shopping referrals. They're not they're not happy with the rate here, or they're looking for a better rate. And it gives you that opportunity. So I think the really the reason behind the fixed annuities has just been the the change in rates in the retail banking. Yeah. So Wallace, I'm I'm interested since your program is very financial planning oriented. Did you see that on the transactional side, specifically the fixed annuities? Did you see that as much, or did you did you experience something different? No, actually, we did. So um, we we are much more managed than we are kind of. Uh, yeah, we're much more fee-based business than we are transactional historically. Uh, July, though, did see quite a ramp up in our transactional uh, business, and it is because of the fixed annuities. And I, and I agree with the comments earlier. It is really a rate play yeah. uh, more than anything. So a lot of our clients look up the yield. So, yeah, we, we saw that. In fact, to give you a, a percentage, we run about 60% of our book is fee-based. Uh, and in July, we were we had a so 60 40 fee base versus transactional. We had a flip in July. We saw about almost 60 percent transactional, and then the uh, the balance was was fee base. So, so we did see a, a shift. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Rich, same. Exactly the same. Uh, you know, what's the bank going to do? Um, the bank operates off the spread. So we've even seen the bank change their retail scorecard in terms of rewarding folks for consumer deposits and commercial deposits. Because if I can bring, you know, if I would say I was paying a bonus to somebody for a consumer deposit that you brought me in at hundred basis points, okay? Well, now I can go to the window I can, and I can get that same money for 49 basis points. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna lower my rate. Right. So we, we saw exactly that. It is, it, this is a straight rate play. You know, you're in, we're in banks. Um, and, and I'm a firm believer of the financial planning and holistic approach and, and, the, and the like, 
but there is a demographic. There is a large component of savers out there that are at the banks because of the safety and because of the rate. And it was very interesting that the annuity companies did not follow the same suit as the banks with lowering rates as quickly. And that definitely helped. If you notice, a lot of them maintained much longer. I'm seeing now I'm seeing them reduce rates. But I was shocked. I don't and I don't know, I don't know the look, I'm not an actuary, right? I play one on TV, but I don't know why um that occurred. And I couldn't give you the math on it, but it took a while for them to start to come down, which we're seeing now this week. So that's yeah. uh, that, that play. So, so just a, a, a quick follow-on question. So, w- the term of the annuities that we're selling best, three-year, five-year, I mean, what did, what did you guys see? Three and five for me. Yeah. Yeah, three-year for me has been the the best. Yeah, we've been about the three-year three-year level. God, I've seen instant. I've seen more institutional money go into a fixed annuity three years than I ever have in my entire career. Wow. And it blows my mind. But when they understand what it is and they understand when you try to run a treasury ladder for them for a year and you get 11 basis points, I mean, you know, it's almost a no brainer. So that, that's been very interesting. Yeah, no, that is interesting. Richard, let me keep you front and center here. So let me ask you another question. So as, as you look at the advisors in your program that are really doing well, like consistently ahead of the others through tough times, et cetera, what are they doing differently than, than the other advisors that are not able to maintain productivity through the ups and downs? Yeah, so I, I, think, I feel like we learned a lot. Um, I feel like the tide came in and you, and you found out who was, who was caught without their bathing suit on, right? And, um, and this is what I think we've learned. Um, a lot of our advisors were heavily relying on this referral network and didn't know how to prospect or call. So what did we do is um, we've engaged um, classes on how to dial and smile, how to smile and dial, how to leave a message, where to work your book, what to say, lead-ins. I mean, things that you would think would be commonplace for a financial advisor, but they were not for different reasons. Some people new to the industry, some people stuck in their own ways, some people just relying on the relationships with their branches, whatever it may be. But we learn that people do not, we at least in our program, do not know how to effectively prospect. And it is the folks, as you'll, as you'll attest to Scott, with the deeper relationships and the people that have managed money and they have more of their assets with the financial advisors, they went and they worked their books. And that's where they were able to keep their heads afloat. April, I'd never said, I've never seen anything like it. April just fell off the table. We were going, we were having a great year. March, we just got lucky because of when it hit. And then boom, April went right off the table. Yep. And then we were able to adjust, had a prospect, had to do this, had to do that virtual meetings. Um, we even came up with ways to move money via email, working with the bank and approvals and the like, so that we were able to, you know, keep the business running. How about, uh, how about the rest of you, Wallace, uh, Bob? Yeah, Rich, I, I, I really agree with you. It, it was interesting. There's, there was a couple of things. One is it forced the people that were reluctant to use what I call efficiency technology. IEE signatures, virtual meetings, things like that. They just 
convinced that their clients couldn't run a computer, which just drives me crazy because that's pretty much gone in this day and age. And then the other side of it, and Rich, I really agree with you, they just were not used to working their books. They were used to moving from referral to referral or their main clients and not really get digging in deep. So it really gave us an opportunity, and April was, was that month, to say, hey, you've got to go back in. You've got to go through your book. And it, it's a great learning curve, but it's also something that's really helped them develop above and beyond just that referral mentality inside of a bank branch. Yeah. So there are a lot of silver linings coming out of what we've been through, I think, right? I mean, we've lessons in efficiency, lessons in managing virtual meetings, which will, which are here to stay, right? Not that, not that live meetings aren't going to take place. They certainly will, but I think we'll gain efficiencies by, you know, advisors who realize when to do a virtual meeting versus a live meeting and which, you know, which of the two are more efficient in, in which scenario. So it's, it's interesting. Um, Wallace, let me give you a chance to, to contribute to that, uh, that question as well. Yeah, but very, very similar experience for us. We found that our financial advisors were, as I say, very dependent on the uh, branches, probably even more so than we had initially believed they would be. Uh, so we, we went back to the basics too and started training. We would do a best practice share once a month with our field, with all of our FAs. And we have the FAs kind of share how they've been working their books and some of the practice management expertise and, and tools they've been utilizing. So that's helped. We've done some actual uh, official training with our advisors on how to work a book, how to, how to contact clients in a virtual environment. We are still very much virtual. We do allow uh, appointments in the branches but that's the only time our advisors actually access the branches. So most of our appointments now are virtual. So we have to train, train people on that. How do you use those tools and how do you be effective doing that? And then I guess the, the, the last piece, there was a lot of prospecting work that was done, you know, working through your book, but also how do you better improve? And we were teaching our advisors, how do you better utilize your own kind of natural referral markets? Because we've been so dependent on branch referrals really gotten away from utilizing your own uh, centers of influence and in in markets to, to make referrals. And so we've gotten back to that and have clients make referrals. And so a lot of training around that. That's an ongoing effort for us. It's something we're going to have to continue, uh, but the, that's what we've been doing. All right. Yeah. Thank you for that. So let me, let me ask you the last question and then we'll wrap up and, and you've made uh, some implications towards this question I'm about to ask already. So, you know, let us know if you want to add to what you've already said, but curious that, you know, if you've had any recent initiatives or changes to your program process improvements, et cetera, that have had a very positive impact on your business, even given the difficult time that, that we've, that we've been through. And, Maybe Wallace, you can you can uh, kick us off to answer this question, and it might be what you just implied and more. But yeah, what? So so, have you had any any uh, very successful initiatives? Yeah. So first of all, this has been probably the best period of time I've ever had with my compliance group. Uh, yes has never come out of their mouth more often. So I'm going to miss that <laughs> when things return return to normal. Uh, but. We've, we've made a number of uh, efficiency plays from our, the way we've engaged our back office. We uh, fully implemented e-signature capability, which was difficult at first. So trying to get our folks to get into um, to the branches, trying to get mail and do uh, printing, that, was, that, was, that became quite a challenge. So we put e-signature capabilities in place. We put 
these virtual conference solutions in place. We use Microsoft Teams, but we went from Skype to Microsoft Teams, so we utilize that and, again, have done a lot of training around that. That's been effective. We've been providing equipment to our full host of employees on, on, uh, to help them with their virtual offices. And so certain level of employees, we actually buy uh, pieces of equipment to help them operate more efficiently if they're working from home to make it more convenient. We've turned on cell phones was not a part of our life. For financial advisors, it was not for the people that support them, including their investment associates. So we've turned on that capability. So we, we've made a lot of, I say, practical equipment changes. We've made efficiency changes. We've also done some training changes and really been working now on the mindset that this is not a short-term situation. This is something that even when we get back into offices on a regular, kind of a, what we're used to. We think remote interaction and engagement will be a part of our business. And so we're building our business to support that. So those have been really the big changes we've made and it's, it's um, starting to take hold. Yeah, no, nice, good, good work. Rich, how about you? Yeah, we did, um, we did something interesting in, uh, in August. We did investment, which we've never had before. So we had three districts so that we have three, three districts, market executives lead each one. And we did calling campaigns every day. Every day people were calling specifically on behalf of the investment program. And I think it's no coincidence that this was the best month, as I said earlier, in the history of the program. But what we'll do now as a result of that is we will do a data dive into where that money came from. So in other words, we take snapshots of our book of business and households and what they have in deposits on a given day. And then you fast forward it to another given day and you see what that same group of households owns in terms of deposits. So you can tell, are you hurting, back to disintermediation days, are you hurting the bank or are you growing deposits and how much are you taking if you are taking and what's the fee income that that's turning into? So it'll be really interesting to look at August and I'll be happy to debrief you on those numbers when it's all said and done. But I will tell you, it's interesting this year from January 1 until the end of May, we grew deposits and the deposits we did take, even though we grew deposits, we took the higher cost of deposits from the bank. What better success story yeah. than you tell the banker, we're growing your deposits and the deposits we are using, we're taking the most expensive ones. So really good. So, and it also has engaged us with treasury. It's engaged us with the business bankers. It's residential lending, which is going gangbusters. So the whole thing is sort of coming together. So I guess you had to make lemonade out of lemons, right? <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah no, right. very nice, Rich. Just uh, real quickly, you mentioned the uh, investment month initiative. So what, what did the lead off, uh, you know, sentence of that call go like when, you, when, you, when, when one of your people called a bank customer that may not be an investment customer? What did they say? So we did, um, we did it in uh, spurts. We did the first two weeks for retirement planning and retirement income planning. The th and everything was scripted. Yep. The third week was a financial fitness, financial checkup, you know, in this environment code. So we had scripts. And the last one leading into insurance month was protect the ones you love. So we called all the POD accounts. And we just said, hey, we noticed you have a POD on this account. 
want to talk to you about, you know, thought about different ways to protect your loved ones. So it was, it was different subjects. So that when they called, it wasn't, hey, do you happen to know Rich Coley's an investment advisor with me? You know, no, it was a very yeah. specific reason for the call, which I think you have to have. So thank you. You know what? I love it. So it's, it's not rocket science, but it's brilliant nonetheless, right? Back to basics, man. Yeah. And tackling. Very cool. Good, good stuff. Bob, how about you? Yeah, I think the the technology side, the technology was already in place to do everything. There wasn't really any major changes with COVID. It was just a matter of getting people to learn it and use it. And if, if anything, COVID sped that up. One of the things that we're working on that had nothing to do with COVID, we've had an intensive change in our structure at the bank in terms of our partnership with retail, with mortgage, with business banking and everything else. So we've been going through um, a training program since the beginning of January, partnered with the retail banking, specific on financial planning, specific on, on different investment topics. Um, and we've, seen, we've actually seen our, our referrals increase four times over last year. And so it's been a really, really big increase on that side. The partnership is, is formal between us and the banks at the richest point. We are keeping very careful track of what's being referred back to our partners in the bank, as well as what's being referred to us. Um, every one of the reps has territory management goals in terms of what they need to do with that partnership, with their different, different sides of the bank. We've done a lot of global training in the bank. We've done a lot of training within the different divisions of the bank to meet that, make that happen. That's been our biggest uh, change in our success. We're obviously uh, trying to grow the program, so recruiting is a big part of it. We've gotten three three big recruits and one merger, merger and acquisition this year as well. So continuing to grow that way, but really focused on the partnership with the different uh, departments inside the bank and getting an awareness about financial planning and what we do. It's a much better referral when it's then somebody's got 500 bucks for a 529 versus somebody needs to, to have a financial plan developed for the retirement. So we're, we're working hard on not only increasing the quantity, but also increasing the quality of the referrals um, that we receive from the different departments inside the branch. Yeah, nice. I mean, that partnership is so important. I, I did, uh, when I visited your, the website of your bank, Bob, I did notice that it does seem, you, you do seem to be tightly integrated. And I like how you list the advisors with the private bankers, et cetera, all like, you know, it, 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 there's, there's a team mentality, it, it, it seems. You get that impression from the website. So that's great. Well, uh, listen, you guys really appreciate your insight, your comment, sharing your success stories with the industry over these podcasts. And it seems to me, just from doing these podcasts, that the, the other silver lining that has come out of the pandemic is that it's allowed those of you that are in strategic positions to really focus on initiatives, maybe to a higher degree than you're able to when you're kind of in the office dealing with the day-to-day -day stuff, you know, it's almost like you, you've been able to have an out-of-body experience and then look down at the program and say, all right, what do we have to do to keep this afloat? And some, some really cool stuff has come out of it. So it's, it's good to hear that, that you guys are being successful as we uh, go through these difficult times that are really in interesting ways uh, benefiting the program. So uh, Bob, Rich, and Wallace, thank you for participating today. You guys had, uh, like I said, some really good insights. Your contributions are much appreciated. We hope you'll join us again in the future. 
Uh, and thanks again to Ameriprise for making this episode possible. And please join us for next month's episode of the BISA Industry Trend Watch podcast. Thank everybody that's listening for joining us. Hi, Bob Mattel again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this month's episode and once again thank Ameriprise for their support of these podcasts. We would also like to thank Wallace Harris, Rich Cole, and Bob Thompson for sharing their perspectives. Also, be sure to check out our two other podcast series, Industry Leadership and Success, focused on industry-leading performance and success stories, and Untangling Fintech, aimed at helping you keep up with the evolution of technology offerings in our industry. See you next month.